Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Yeah, Purple Daily here. Mackie and Judd with Declan producing. We'll bring our friend Courtney Cronin in from ESPN.com, and we will go over our confidence, curiosities, and concerns or is it confidence, concerns, curiosities? In whatever order we want to. Concerns, gonna, concerns, concerns. Concerns, concerns, and concerns. And a little bit of curiosity mm-hmm. for this week four game against the Houston Texans. But uh, Declan, yes, I can I can hear the cans popping of Corona Hard Seltzer this weekend. Oh, it's the weekend, baby. And I'm ready to go. And so is uh, Mike Zimmer and the, and, and the Vikings. And hopefully, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and that buffoon Bill O'Brien doesn't make life hell for them. But I can see uh, both of them making life hell for them. And that is why Corona Hard Seltzer is here. It's the only hard seltzer with pure beach vibes. You have a refresh, refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona hard seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona hard seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax yeah. responsibly. Corona hard seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. Quarterback in the face. I want to do it. You think you like football? Brad Childress doesn't just like football. He f- loves football. I did watch him. I was standing right behind him when he was warming up and saw him kind of reach for his groin and, you know, hold it and whatever you do with the groin. Rub it. That's what I think I witnessed. Um, it twinged a little bit on him. Football! Football! Gotta eat! Courtney wanted us to play some best of Brad Childress uh, <laughs> off the top of the show. Mackie and Judd, Declan producing, Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com, and it is Purple Daily here on the Score North platform. Uh, we appreciate everyone helping us hit some uh, some record numbers on our YouTube page in the last month, too. So if you haven't subscribed, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast and also uh, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. So are you, do, you ever, do you ever wish that you covered Brad Childress, Courtney Cronin? Yeah, absolutely. I've heard some great stories over the years about him, the Mike Tice years. Oh, yeah. um, I definitely wish I would have been around for that. That, that would have been, like, I mean, those, those mid-2000s years, like 2000 years, right? The mid 2000s, whatever. Like, um, 
all of the nonsense that happened with this team, like what's going on here infinitely, but all the stuff I just remember like growing up and being in high school and being like, they did what on a boat? And like all this, you know, the, the, you know, all this other stuff that like just happened under under the watch of Brad Childress and others. Uh, Yeah, that was, uh, I definitely would have loved to have been around. I mean, Seifert's told me some good stories. I just, I mean, would love to have been around to witness some of that myself. They not only did what you heard they did on the boat, but they partially got in trouble and got caught because they allowed the high school students who were like the servers <sighs> to be the servers on the boat to watch what they were doing. So, so like kids your age, put yourself oh back then and, and you know, you're getting Diet Cokes, right? Or Cokes or something for a bunch of adults who are doing things that belong in a pornographic film. That's what they did. I love how they thought enough to fly the entertainment in from Atlanta, but they didn't think enough to get like little 16 year old Billy, the server kid, the bus boy. Just like, you know, why don't you take the night off work, Billy? Here's $100. Go to the movie store. The great the great Burke line of all time, what's wrong with our strippers? <laughs> why you got to fly them in? What's wrong with Minnesota strippers? He said, I'd be very offended if I were a stripper in the state right now. Matt Burke, everybody. Anywho, all right, let's get to our <laughs> confidence, concerns, and curiosities for this week's Vikings game against the Houston Texans. And uh, Declan, yeah, you fire up some appropriate music here. Football. We'll start with Courtney R. Cronin. What is the thing that you are the most confident in going into this game on behalf of the Vikings? I am confident that Dalvin Cook is going to have another massive day um, because they can't stop the run in Houston for anything. Like, their front is terrible. I don't know if it's like injuries or what it is. The guys look stiff. I mean, ever since that Clyde Edwards-Alaire debut on that Thursday night football game, like, they have not looked good at all. I mean, they allow... You know, another hundred yard hard hundred yard rusher. I can speak last week to, to James Conner in Pittsburgh, and I just think that they're going to have a lot of trouble containing Dalvin Cook. And as we saw, like the best attributes that you can bring out of Kirk Cousins come from setting up the run game, so you can establish play action, you can establish all these rollouts and changing where he's throwing the ball from. Um, and that's that's got to be the key to what you do. So I'm confident. We're going to see another 100-plus yard day. I don't know if it'll be 181 again, but like another really big day for Dalvin Cook that's going to set up everything else that he need to do offensively. Courtney? Courtney is exactly right, So, but I will – I had that one, but I will change uh, to this because I think it's now official. I don't think it was a fluke, and I think that he has arrived. Justin Jefferson is going to mm-hmm. have a big game. He might not have a huge game, but Justin Jefferson, what we saw – uh, in the loss to the Titans, he's too damn good now to be like, well, we ignored him this week. Eureka, you see that? So my yeah. my second confidence now is that in every game for the rest of this season, Justin Jefferson is either going to thrive or the opposing team is going to have to account for him big time to take him away. But um, I don't think that that was a one-game pop-up. I think that Jefferson has officially arrived and is a now a big part of this offense, or at least he better be. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Courtney in lockstep there. Just Dalvin Cook absolutely went off against Tennessee. I mean, we all know how bad the Texans' defense is, and Cook feasted on the uh, on, on the Titans last week. And he's quietly still having a very productive year. And, and even though he was slow to get off the gates in the first two weeks, he was still a big part of the offense. And if everything has to click on it, it has to go through Dalvin Cook. So I'm going to guess Dalvin Cook absolutely runs all over the Texans on Sunday. All right, we're all sort of speaking the same language here. I'm going to go back to the same well that I went to last week. 
I am confident that Kirk Cousins is going to have himself a game. And I was sort of right last week, except for the pick six that he tried to throw, if not for the dumb defensive, like the crackback block, and then the disaster final drive. Like, if you sort of take away those things, Kirk Cousins was pretty effective in that game last week, as he would tell you at the uh, Zoom podium afterwards when you score 30 mm-hmm. points and go for 400 yards. I mean, uh, defense, that should be enough to win the game. I think I'll add a couple more stats to the pile here. According to Pro Football Focus, the Texans' defense is bottom five in in pressure rate. So they're just not getting to mm-hmm. quarterbacks. And uh, they're also, in terms of uh, secondary grade, they are 30th in coverage, I believe, or like 27th. They're in the bottom bottom five. So they're not getting to quarterbacks, and their secondary is not able to hold on. And Kirk Cousins now has two great receiver weapons to throw to. And so I don't expect this to be a game in which the Vikings struggle to get to, like, 24 points. Um, Concerns. Courtney Cronin, pick from any number of things in the bag of concerns, the thing that you are most concerned about for the Vikings. Well, we talked about this last week. Tuesday or this Tuesday on the show um and Kirk even mentioned it yesterday I don't think it's kind of like you know yeah you get a minute 47 or whatever the drive technically I think started a minute 47 they was 144 by the time that they were gifted the roughing the passer penalty it's like yeah you should absolutely be able to get into field goal range like yes Kirk but you didn't do it and I have a feeling this game could come down to another shootout like where the defenses can't stop anything. As we know, like the Texans' defense is not very good. The Vikings' defense certainly is kind of in that same boat of work in progress, giving up the big plays there in the second half. Because they look pretty good, decent, you know, holding them to nine points, Titans nine points in the uh, first half off field goals. But um, if Kirk is tasked with orchestrating a game-winning drive in Houston, can he do it? That is my concern because I'm just not so sure – um, we haven't seen it. We've seen it happen once. And, like, you're doing it now on the road. We've only seen him do it against Denver at home, and we saw what happened even last week. Um, I don't think the protection of the, on the offensive line is that much better unless all of a sudden they're going to start somebody new at right guard. I don't know how that's going to fare. So that would be my, my, my coaching point if I'm Bill O'Brien um, or, excuse me, if I'm, like, Anthony Weaver, the defensive coordinator down in Houston, try to exploit that weakness of Kirk with, you know, pressuring, getting some pressure up front. Uh, and really particularly moving the pocket for him, uh, you know, collapsing it as best as you can, especially in those two-minute drills, um, and halt his ability to have any sort of two-minute, four-minute, five-minute offense. And that dovetails into my biggest single concern for the Vikings' offense in this game. How, who is going to and how are you going to account for J.J. Watt, who has not been great, mm-hmm. but he's damn good. Yeah. And, and in a 3-4... My question is, is he lined up against O'Neal? Do they try and slide him in a little bit to get him against, God forbid, Samia? Uh, and if that's the case, do you who helps Drew out? Does Cook have to stay in to chip more? Um, I, I just think that Watt's going to be ticked off. He's good. I think he's got something like two sacks in three games, so it's not great yet. But this is going to be a matchup that the Texans, I'm sure, have spent the entire week trying to uh, figure out how they're going to exploit it. And so my biggest concern is, do the Vikings even have the ability to stop him? I'm not sure the answer is yes. I do know that if the answer is yes, they're going to have to get more creative than just saying, Drew Samia, go to it, good luck, because that would be a disaster. Yeah. A one-on-one situation there is asking for a very long day for Cousins. Sean Mannion. And for Samia, but most Sha- for Cousins, yeah. Sean Mannion plays if they do that. 
<laughs> Write that down. Oh, man. Uh, I have big concerns that Deshaun Watson is going to pop off and absolutely carve up the Vikings after going 0-3 so far. He had a really good game against Pittsburgh, and they've, they've been in, they're in striking distance in that one. And with Houston 0-3 and having high expectations this year and being at home, and there are going to be some fans, too, I believe, obviously in the stands at Houston, too. I have concerns mm-hmm. that this is going to be kind of like the coming-out party for Deshaun Watson, who's played well in, in all three losses, but I, I'd be concerned he's just going to carve up a young Viking secondary. I'm concerned about that, too. I'm going to pivot off of that one. That was my number one concern, Dex. Uh, I mean, look at him at home. He had a few games at home last year where if you, if you give him a home game and a bad defense to carve up, like last year, 426 and five touchdowns at home against Atlanta, they scored 50 points. Home against Oakland with a bad mm-hmm. defense last year, 279, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 70% completions. Um, he also did it against a good New England defense at home last year for 234, three touchdowns. Like he's liable to go for... 250, 300, a bunch of touchdowns and run for some yardage. But the thing I'm most concerned about, especially as we watch the entire week of Josh Allen praising Stefan Diggs for his leadership and just for being such a great addition, I am concerned that the Vikings don't have the guy or the leader in that locker room that they had with Stefan Diggs last year, either in game or during the week, that can say, it stops now. And Stefan Diggs did that a couple times. He did it. I mean, you could argue that leaving the team for a couple of practices like in the beginning part of October wasn't the best thing to do and that popping (laughs) off, you know, on the sidelines in that Denver game. But you know what? His leadership was effective, and I think you're seeing it play out in Buffalo. Who's the person? If if they get off to a bad start, who's the person that's going to pull everyone together and say, hey, and it, it, it can't always be a coach. It oftentimes has to be a player. Kirk Cousins isn't that guy. Who is it? That's my biggest concern. Um, who is it, Courtney? Yeah. Is there anybody that you can point to to say, all right, Diggs is gone, but this person's going to speak up. Adam Thielen can be that sometimes, but who else? Eric Kendricks, maybe. Who yeah. else? I mean, Harrison Smith is excellent, and, and he leads by example, but he's not your vocal, in-your-face leader. Like, they don't have that guy. I mean, Kendricks is really the only person I can think of, at least in the defense right now, uh, that has the clout to be able to do that offensively. Dalvin, you know, maybe go ahead and step into that role. Like, you are one of the faces of this franchise. Go ahead and act like it. Uh, if it, if it's presented to you, like, that is your team. Take it because no one else is. I, I think that those are probably my only two options. Yeah. Slim pickings on a, on a 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. All right. The thing that you are the most curious to see this weekend, Courtney. Couple things. I'm going to start with the COVID results that come out from Friday's <laughs> testing and yeah. Saturday's testing, and then what happens with it when they do the point of care testing on Sunday. We know the NFL has put out some new protocols because of what happened with the Tennessee situation, where the Vikings will receive some of those test day of game because they haven't been doing that yet. Um, Eric Sugarman said that the sweet spot for positive cases would be the three to five day range, which is why Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were going to be so important for the Vikings. As of now, everything is scheduled to go. They will be getting on the plane on Sunday, Saturday. They'll be flying down to Houston and playing the game on Sunday. But are we still? Are they still kind of like white knuckling this in a way, thinking, okay, like we're not out of the clear yet? Like, what happens if they have a bunch of people pop up from Friday's test going into Saturday? Like, it's just a really scary, slippery slope. I think for any team to be dealing with. So that's one. It's like they're not out of the woods yet on this. So. That's one curious thing. The other one, it's like, what's Evan Smith doing? Like, you know, he played 55% of snaps last week. 
I had someone comment on my Twitter, like I put a snap count. They're like, Irv playing 36 snaps, whatever it was, is criminal. Like, is it if he didn't run the right route and if he got all these, if he's getting these bad penalties that, you know, are killing drives? So, like, I want to see more about from Irv Smith. And I'm curious, like, what is it going to take for him to perform at a level where he's going to be an active member of this offense? Because he didn't get a target thrown his way last week. He literally had, like, a zeroed out stat line. So, um, curious as to, like, when the Irv Smith that we all know is a talented player, when does that guy arrive this Do- season? Maybe it's week four. Do we think he is doing things wrong? Is is that why here? Because, I mean, we've talked about this and where he's gone and why he's not used mm-hmm. more. Do we think this is, Courtney, a starting point of Irv Smith is screwing up and so he's not being used? I mean, I went back and watched the L-22. It looked like he ran the wrong route on several plays. That's all I'm going to say about it. Like, because maybe someone would tell me, oh, that's wrong. No, he ran the right. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Like, I think the best thing that he did last week, obviously, was the block that he had for Dalvin Cook's touchdown on the right side of the formation. Um, but I think he's run the wrong routes, and I think the penalties have been drive killers, and coaches are subbing him. Watch the substitution pattern. Watch when he comes out. Watch what he does to play before. It usually has something to do with that. Hmm. My, my curiosity is going to be an ongoing one, but this week is as good a time to start as any, and it's this. Is Holden Hill good at football? Because, look, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to Gladney or Dantzler, I, I get it. They're young. They're rookies. They're draft picks. Um, it's going to take time. Holden Hill, I understand, doesn't have a ton of on-field experience, but he's in his third year now. He's been practicing for a long time. He's not a newbie uh, to, to this league or this team. So... What I saw last week concerned me because he looked lost way too much for a guy who shouldn't be consistently lost. So my question with the amount of playing time, because he is being given a lot of opportunity here, my question is very simple, and it can start being answered on Sunday. Are you good at football? Because if you're not, you know what you are? You're a long list of guys that we've seen in this town who who – Guys like uh, Mackey and Zolgad and Declan and Cronin in five years will be drinking a beer and laughing about, but they'll be long gone and we'll say, what happened to um, Asher Allen, Josh Robinson, Marcus McCauley? Is Holt Nill in that bin? Because I'm beginning to think that there's a chance he might be. Yeah, if you had to, he's going to play his way onto the bench. Like that's going to happen here pretty soon, I think, because he looked. Obviously, had that pass breakup on their final drive uh, with the one that set up the 55-yard field goal, but he has looked not like a player who should have earned as long of a leash that he had last season after he suspended himself for the first eight games of 2019. Like, that's the thing. Like, this team gave you every single chance to pull it together. You have to start playing like it out there because otherwise that is a waste of time and a waste of everyone's patience. Yeah, that's that's the exact point I was going to make too. Is it's like you are so patient with this guy and to to watch mm-hmm. this play out and him just be, I believe a perfect passer rating in the NFL is one fifty eight point three. Correct. And I believe I saw according to PFF that when opposing quarterbacks throw at Holton Hill so far this year, it's a one fifty four passer rating. So he is four four points yeah. from allowing a perfect passer rating against this season. Yeah. Yikes. Declan, what are you most curious about? I'm curious about Justin Jefferson, just because he finally popped off last week. He had nine targets. He started, and after the first weeks of being quiet, I'm just curious to see if he can continue that and the Vikings will go his way. Obviously, he had a big coming out party that we, we compared it to Randy Moss in 98. 
Um, we knew it was going to be kind of a long play, too, with Justin Jefferson replacing Stefan Diggs. You just can't plug and play someone, especially a rookie, to replace uh, Justin Jefferson. But when he's been on the field, he's made a humongous difference. 12 catches, 10 first downs. He popped off last week. I just want to see if this can continue going forward and him not getting lost in the shuffle like he did in the first two games. Yep. Uh, I th- I, it would just be malpractice if he didn't get targeted like eight to ten times at this point. Just like find a way and and just see what happens. The thing that I'm most curious about is to honestly just see where the season goes. I looked this up according to stathead.com. The last time the Vikings started the season, 0-5. And I say 0-5 not because like if they lose this game, it's 0-4 for the first time since I think 2011. Uh, and then they, they, mm-hmm. they fought back a little bit in 2011 and won some games they shouldn't have down the stretch. But the only other time in franchise history that they've started 0-5, which they're staring down the barrel of if they lose this game and have to go to Seattle the next week, is 1962, everybody. That's the second year of this franchise's existence. So they were just an expansion team. And Vikings quarterbacks, including a very, very young Fran Tarkenton, combined to throw 31 interceptions that season with a 48% completion rate. So football was very different in 1962, but that's the only other time the Vikings have started 0-5, and that's what they're staring at these next two weeks if they don't get it together. So... That would, be, uh, that, would that, be, that would be that would be bad. Get that draft or, pick, or it would be good. It, it could be good. They've had a bunch of like one in seven, one in eight kind of things, including was it 2013 was another one of those clunker seasons. Yeah. But but zero and five is uh, has only been done once in franchise history. So any final thoughts from you, Courtney, going into this game against the Texans? Yeah, I just think that you know, like we mentioned before, the desperation level is going to be up for both teams because being in an zero and four hole, like. I know that there are people writing off the season even after the Colts loss in week two, but like 0-4 is essentially you're done because it is so hard to climb out of that hole to get to the playoffs, even to get set to 7-9. and I mean, like I mentioned, I think in the last episode, the only team that's been 0-4 to start in the Super Bowl era and made it to the playoffs is the 92 Chargers. So it literally has happened one time. Um, And I think that it's like, okay, are we going to start to get the hard questions asked at that point of Mike Zimmer, of Rick Spielman, of this franchise? Does ownership start to get impatient at that point? That's the stuff. Like, you can chalk up 0-3 and be like, look, three bad games, three really difficult quarterbacks, a brand-new secondary. Every excuse or every legitimate excuse in the book, too. But 0-4, you're like, hmm, we just lost a quarter of the season. There's four quarters of the season. We lost one of them. Yeah. Um, that's not good. And so it's like you try to figure, okay – is there any sort of consequence for losing? I think we will start to find that out if they do indeed go 0-4. The 1992 Chargers are just a really fun case study. So that's you, you brought. It's the only 0-4 team. Bobby Ross was the head coach of that team. You know they finished 11 and five. They started 0-4. Mm-hmm. They started 0-4. They averaged like nine points a game offensively in those first four games. They got in in the fourth loss. They got shut out 27 to nothing at Houston. And then they turned it around. They won 11 out of their next 12 games, including a first-round playoff game against Kansas City. And then they finally got beat by the Dolphins in the divisional round of the playoffs. But that's uh, that's probably not likely if the Vikings fall to 0-4 to follow that model. No. So, so you'll have to yeah. avoid it. All right, that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. We appreciate Courtney Cronin, who is uh, who's ESPN.com Vikings reporter out at the Vikings practice facility right now. And we will see you for Ventline right after the game is over on Sunday. YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. 
Thanks, everybody.